This week on Geek Explained, we kick off the spooky season in style as book club co-host Malcolm Russell Nelson joins me to put the Geek Explained spotlight on Task Force Z. Welcome to Geektober. Welcome back to Geek Explained, and welcome back to Geektober! The entire month of October is, of course, spooky, spooky Halloween time, so we dedicate the entire month to spooky, spooky Halloween-themed episodes. And this week, our latest Geek Explained spotlight features a discussion between myself and the co-host with the mo-hostest, um... He's one of our co-hosts on the Geek Explained Book Club. Malcolm Russell Nelson is going to be joining me to discuss Task Force Z, the Suicide Squad meets Zombies story, and we've got a lot to say about it. So that will be our main event. We, of course, have this week's Comics Countdown, where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week. And we also have the final weekly review on the back half of Ahsoka. We did a intermission of sorts for the first four episodes, and now I'm going to be talking about the last four episodes. So strap in for all of that. Uh, Before we get into all of that, though, I want to say a huge congratulations to the WGA, who finally ended their strike after the AMPTP finally gave them what they wanted. Uh, Negotiations ended last week as of this recording, and many, many writers are back to work with much better protections. It's really exciting. Huge congratulations to all the writers that I know, all the writers that I don't know, and the entire WGA union. Really, really excited. But I do want to make it clear, SAG is still striking. We are still striking, we are still in negotiations, so pray for us that we get the same kind of respect that the AMPTP was forced to give the WGA, and uh, I'll keep you updated as we go along. But that, uh, with all that out of the way, without further ado, let's dive right into the beginning of our Halloween season, as Malcolm Russell Nelson and I put the Geek Explained Spotlight on Task Force Z. Well, Malcolm, I think we can say that was another successful recording of our critically acclaimed on every year-end list of the best book club podcast list. But before before I let you go, I wanted to see if we could have a quick rousing discussion about something else that I'm really interested in talking about. Yeah, sure. What's up? So we've got, you know, Geektober coming up, October, spooky, spooky time. But I don't want to talk about just anything having to do with Halloween and the spooky season. There's this thing I want to talk to you about. 
and I don't want to give the lead away. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you some clues and maybe you can suss out what I'm wanting to talk about here. So it's this story about this really popular anti-hero character who gets recruited into this secret organization against his will. Everybody loves this character, whether they like to admit or not. Loki. No, 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 no. It's not Loki. Um, this organization, it works from the shadows to serve the light. They, uh, there's whispers about them, but you don't know if they truly exist. And this character is kind of brought into this order of things. Where... Oh, oh, uh, Assassin's Creed, Mirage. No, no, no. Um, let's see. What? How can I... Um... No, he's this uh he's this really popular anti-hero character. He was brought on initially as kind of a villain and now he's this weird kind of black sheep character for a really popular comic book character and he's made some p- appearances in animation and video games. Oh, um, oh, 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 Venom. No, no. We're talking Task Force Z. What? Okay. Task Force Z. Everyone loves Task Force Z. I, I think you pronounce it Zed, actually. Is it Task Force Zed? Well, I say Zed because <laughs> I say my Z's like British Z's. So <laughs> you are so whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's Task Force we're, Zed. We're talking Task Five. We're talking Task Force Zed. Yeah, part baby. <laughs> one of Geektober. Uh, of course, I am here with good brother book club co-host malcolm russell nelson graduated uh, to the main class again again I, twice I in like a month baby. maybe you, you keep getting held back and then brought back up so i don't know what the what the grading system of our academia is here i uh, uh you know i mean i follow a path very similar to deku you know i i rise and then i fall and then i rise and then i fall and then you know <laughs> i get war crimes blamed on me or whatever <laughs> We finally just caught up on the most recent season. Gosh, oh, nice. It's so good. It's so I need good. to actually, like, watch the show. I've just been reading it. Oh. I need to actually, I, like, go and watch the show. I am fascinated to see because I've only ever watched it. And the, I don't know, the um, the anime stupendous. The, the art direction, the choreography is really, really well done. So I'd be curious to see from someone who is more knowledgeable about the original manga yeah getting their hands on it in moving picture form yeah the 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 talkies the talkies (laughs) i'm not talking about that tiger no talkie tani that book is so good Um, it's so good (laughs) it's so good still wish it was mary but it's so yeah i feel you i feel you how good dan mora draws mary I know. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so part one of Geektober a month exclusively committed to talking about some spooky, spooky times. We are going to be discussing Task Force Z or Zed. This was the uh, 12 issue miniseries. I guess uh, commandeered mostly by... uh, Matthew Rosenberg, Eddie Barrows is kind of the main artist, though we do have contributions from other artists as well. And this Uh is 
one of the first big uh, requests from our book club that we got. You know, yeah. I don't remember exactly who it was. I believe I don't remember who it was. It was so long ago oh, now. It was it was earlier this year. I think Tristan might have. Um, someone else did too, and I can't think of them off the top of my head. But we got requests to do this. Um, Jacob several. Is, unfortunately uh bogged down because he is a working actor folks and he is mm -hmm. doing big big theater actor things but malcolm and i wanted to sit down and talk about this because neither of us had ever read this before nope. and i remember when this was coming out there was a big push for matthew rosenberg because he had just kind of jumped ship him and chip were doing their thing wading into the madness that is dc comics and mm -hmm. i loved the chip Zdarsky red hood smile story yes still in urban maybe, legends yeah still maybe one of my favorite red hood stories ever i think that's still the best red hood story probably i think that is the best jason todd is red hood story like bar none and the ending of that story much like a movie that you and i both love the wolverine teased a brand hell new yeah. costume for jason at the end and a brand new directive hell and yeah brother it leads directly to this and off the bat just off the jump i love this design for jason off the bat uh me too the only thing i don't love is the z's on the shoulder pads but otherwise like i i love this yeah. design it's funny because and i don't love the crowbars yes i i kind of do but I you know, hate it. But, it, but it's like electrified crowbars like electrified sticks i think it's hilarious I, I mean it's literally just give them the eskimo sticks like <laughs> it's it's another like oh he really wants to be dick huh yeah you know what i just they they had him when he was doing like the the prince of gotham thing where he just had the i think it was a crowbar or and like a baseball bat and i'm like just give him mm -hmm. a baseball bat Mm -hmm. Like, I know that's Alicia Yeo's thing now, and rightfully yeah. so, it should be hers. Rightfully so, but she like, is the bad girl. I, this armor, like, evokes, like, a big old sword. Um, I don't know. That's what I, I want him to have. I want him to have a sword. Like, a big That'd old be sword sick. or just give him, something. Give him one sword or give him two swords. Or, you know what would be cool? Give be him fine the with two fucking uh, electrocutioner gauntlets from Arkham Origins. I think it'd be dope as hell. That'd be he sick. just, like, punch things. That'd be sick. He is a bruiser. I mean, as we learned in our favorite game last year, Gotham Knights, he is a bruiser type. You so, know what, I mean, listener? Me and Malcolm actually had a lot of fun with that game, okay? Yeah, the game it rules. Is, it's a great game. And <laughs> honestly, there is a way to basically get this look for Jason in that game, and that mm -hmm. is the look I kept him with the entire time. Mm -hmm. So, needless to say, coming into this, this idea of Task Force Z, this zombie suicide squad... There's a lot of promise, especially having Jason be kind of the the Rick Flag, if you will, of this Task Force Zed and bringing in these characters who some were dead, some were not. The whole story, the basis behind this is that at the beginning of which which initiative was this? This was Infinite this, Frontier? This has to be Infinite Frontier, I guess. Has to be, right? Yeah. Where at the beginning of Infinite Frontier, uh, A Day happened, and I love the I I love the concept of A Day. I don't know if I love mm -hmm. the execution of A Day, but the concept yeah. of A Day like is phenomenal. All the Batman rogues are locked up in Arkham, and there's a chemical attack that kills all of them. 
Whoa, this... wait a second. Eric, I thought A-Day was when the helicarrier <laughs> fell from the sky. Those are two separate A-Days. <laughs> they happened on but either side of the country. Two months apart. <laughs> happened two months apart on either right side there. of the country. Right there. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time that we had a catastrophic event called A Day, <laughs> I would have two nickels. two nickels, which isn't a lot, but given the circumstances, <laughs> it is weird that it happened twice within like, the same what year. What the hell? <laughs> it is very odd. But basically, all of Batman's rogues were killed. And I thought this was a really interesting concept. Because from here, you give writers, artists, creators, carte blanche to create new rogues. To kind of get out of the vicious Finally. cycle of utilizing the Joker every other, uh, every other arc and now we get to create new rogues or use rogues that maybe were small time and were on the run and weren't locked up in arkham at the time this opened up a world of possibilities and it also shut the joker off into his own book where yep. i didn't Overseas. have to read about him yep got him out of the picture for a while which was nice because he was so in the picture for too long much too long um, though I hear that that Joker book was very good and that it's, in fact, just a secret Jim Gordon book. And I'm totally okay yeah, with that. Yeah, I, I read a few issues of it and it was, it was good. It just wasn't enough Jim Gordon for me. And yeah. coming out of this, it's like, okay, almost all of the uh, Batman rogues are dead. What do we do with this? And we did get some really cool stuff that came out of it. Arkham Tower the uh tamaki detective arkham run tower. came directly out of this and oh, i will yeah, die baby. on the hill that arkham tower that whole concept that whole run of tamaki should have gone a lot longer than it did should have gone a lot longer the best part of this corner of the dc universe for a while absolutely i think it's the best bad event we've had in a very long time and it wasn't <laughs> close gang and, it, it wasn't and it's close. not close it's not close <laughs> i just kind of wish the art was more uh consistent consistent yeah because but that's the problem who, with having a weekly have event the, yeah who they have on that Faybach? Or was that? Mm, I think he might have done like an issue or two. And I think Ivan Reese did Ivan Reese, a few yes. issues. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think he did a few issues. Including that first I mean, it was issue, a weekly which is thing, cinematic so. as fuck. Yeah, I might reread that. <laughs> it's it's like, a great shit. event. Shit, the tower was fucking fantastic. It's a great event. <laughs> Remember um, how good that detective run was too? God, with Dan Moore so doing good. the art. Oh, and there was crazy God. shit going on. Like the so fucking good. weird monster shit. Man. <laughs> and while all that was going on, we had the little brother to the Batman books. <laughs> the redheaded stepchild, Task Force Z. Led by Jason Todd with this cast of characters. And when they announced this, I was like, oh my God. Because this was announced literally, I think, the same week as DC versus Vampires. And I'm like, come on, guys. Yeah. But. Yeah. Which I is also a Rosenberg joint. Also a Rosenberg joint, you're correct. Because that's um, Rosenberg and Tinian. <laughs> it was a... This cast I was really hyped for. Jason Todd, I think there's still a lot of good stuff you can do with him. He's become kind of one note recently, but I think there's still a lot of stuff you can do. Mm -hmm. Man Bat. Always a good time seeing Man Bat. Bane, sure. Maybe my favorite Batman rogue. Hell of all yes. Time. I love to hear you say that. 
the Arkham Knight, who I thought was a really great addition into all of this. Astrid Arkham, who I correctly predicted was a woman from the jump. You did. You did. From the jump. From the <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> I don't remember why I thought this, but I was like, that there is a female. And <laughs> I was correct. Uh, but I love the concept of Astrid Arkham. I love that she's like legit a knight using a sword and going after people medieval style. But, dear listener, the one that got me hyped for this, and you know this is coming, my boy, my patron saint, my Mr. Bloom! The leading character and main antagonist of Super Heavy. I was hyped as fuck. So it's the first time you see Bloom since then. Since Super Heavy. Like, they haven't done anything with him since Super Heavy. And this was exactly what I was hoping for. Like, Mr. Bloom wasn't utilized at all outside of his first story. And I'm like, let's get more Mr. Bloom in here. Let's do well, more you, of this. You got your wish. And I did. And <laughs> oh, part boy. of me, a small part of me, wishes i didn't but that is for the main discussion because i want to talk about this let's get into the credits for this uh task force Z, uh written by matthew rosenberg and we've got a few different artists on this so eddie barrows is kind of the main artist and one that i was really excited about because eddie barrows did the art for the smile story yep. and i'm a big eddie barrows mark i i think he's wonderful stuff. He's wow. so, so good. He is, he, it's funny to say this now, since this artist is actually at DC, but I used to think of him as DC's Mike Diodato. Oh, 100%. I could definitely see that. <laughs> Which, again, is really funny now that Mike Diodato is drawing at DC. Go read Flash. He's, Go read Flash is great. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was excited. I mean, I fell in love with his art during that, speaking of Detective Comics, the Detective Comics Rebirth run maybe my favorite rebirth run it's the best book maybe in rebirth. my favorite yeah. detective comics run who knows it's the best detective comics um, run. yes it's it's yes. real it's real difficult that arkham tower some of the stuff that's been done um yeah. i love that shit. but we also have art or uh, pencils by kieran mckeown as well as jack herbert uh for the first six issues and for the back half i'm pulling up the credits here because i want to get all these names right and all these artists kind of and i i wonder if it's due to like the colorist but they all visually look very similar to for the most part the eddie yeah. burrows art which like for great. the most part which i really appreciate it seemed pretty seamless yes. which is a rare thing in comics these days uh other artists are iber ferreira jesus marino mm -hmm. daniel I want to say that's HDR or Daniel Horror. I don't want to say that. Mm -hmm. um, Vicente Cifuentes. Uh, colorists, uh, Adriano Lucas, as Hell well yeah. as um, uh, Diego Rodriguez. We also got in the first volume, at least, the backups from Detective at the time. Because while all of the Detective stuff was going on with Arkham Tower, they were doing backups <sighs> called What the Fuck is Task Force Z? Uh, written oh. by Rosenberg with art by Derek Robert or pencils by Derek Robertson and Max Rayner. Uh, I believe Rob Lee does all of the inks 
or all the letters excuse all the me. lettering yeah and then the inks are by <laughs> uh eber ferreira dexter vines matt centarelli jack herbert and yeah that's everybody but, yeah. yeah it's interesting because you it's not immediately clear what this story is going to be because again we've got a cavalcade of dead villains what do we do with this and why is why is jason todd brought into this story mm-hmm. so the the first volume opens up with that you know those backups from detective featuring maybe one of my favorite new additions to the gotham corner of the dc universe deb donovan I'm a big Deb Donovan guy. Hell yes. I love me some Deb Donovan. Deb Donovan is the Ben Yurick of DC, baby. She's a reporter. She's a reporter. She's the best goddamn beat reporter. I love Deb Donovan. I love her friendship with Vicky Vale as well. Hell yes. She rules. She's awesome. Give me more cool reporters in everything. Is that a Tamaki original? I think it might be. I think it might be because I, she popped up in that detective run. Because she popped up in that detective run, yeah. And she was kind of the main person giving harassing us harassing like, Bruce. Yeah, harassing <laughs> Bruce. Incredible. Awesome. She's the coolest. Well, Bruce has had a weakness for redheads, not unlike myself, uh, in mm, the past. I understand. So I get it. I get it. Yep. Mm-hmm. But Deb is just blue collar reporter, and she yeah. kicks so much ass. And yeah. I love seeing her kind of involved in the, like, what the hell is this? Like, what are we getting ourselves into? And then Red Hood kind of mixing it up with her, I think, is a really nice combination. Yeah. It's, it's echoing the Bruce and Gordon partnership, but with yeah. different uh, different values, which I really enjoy. Another person who has a thing for redheads, Jason Todd. <laughs> Isn't that true? Isn't that true? <laughs> But so he gets brought in with this crew of dead people, uh, including a new character named Sundowner, which, again, weakness for redheads. Um, mm-hmm. Really dig. I, I like this new character. I believe yeah, she's, she's, cool. she's created just for this. Is she? Okay. It, I, I wasn't familiar. Because there were, there were a couple issues, and I can't remember. Someone will remind me, uh, or someone will correct me, I'm sure. In the Snyder and Capullo run, there were a couple like Arkham focused issues that dealt right. with some of the prisoners that were there for a really long time. And I don't remember if she popped up there or not. But I'm yeah. going to approach this like she was created for this book. Um, yeah. She's fun. She is for the first half. And uh, yes. <laughs> oh, where she's a character? Yeah. Yeah, where she's a character. <laughs> um, but. I knew that I was going to at least enjoy this book because the first issue kicks off with Crazy Quilt. You want to talk about... You are about, a Crazy Quilt Mark. I am a Crazy Quilt Mark. Him, oh boy. Kite Man, Mothman, Killer Condiment Moth, King? You got Condiment room for Condiment King? King? Always got room for Condiment King. You like there's all always, those shitty dudes? There's, I am... I am more down for shitty dudes in Gotham City than most of the big time super villains that they have i can't wait for you to write your own like shitty dudes team up book that's all those dudes it's like a it's like a believe it's me. like a suicide squad it's all those dudes and it's led by captain boomerang who decides to go to gotham for the first time like i can't wait for that book to come out tm tm 
TM. <laughs> I, I can't wait. TM I can't wait for Captain Boomerang's League of Shitty Dudes. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I'm going to call it? The Brat Pack. And they're going to roll into... <laughs> that's what all the people say i fucking it's gonna happen i'm gonna make it happen. oh i can't believe they're gonna release a, a revised pitch it next week <laughs> everyone just go fucking listen to my captain boomerang pitch no one fucking listened to it and it's my it might be my favorite pitch i've ever done hey buddy i listened to it several times <laughs> i want you to know <laughs> Because well, it was a gas. And I just want you to know when we, because we were doing the Geeks Played Book Club, and when Flash dropped Boomerang back at Kurumbura, and I was like, yes, yes, that's where my story takes place. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I always flip out. But anyway, back to uh, in story shitty dudes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Crazy Quilt. Incredible so poll. Incredible poll. Yeah. Um, and again, speaking to that idea of like some guys were too shitty to be locked up in Arkham at that point. Yep. And I just I do think we need more stories about characters who aren't like the big rogues. Give me mm -hmm. some more Professor Pig. Give me some Crazy Quilt. Give me some Killer Moth. Like I want those stories because you can tell those stories about characters who are kind of at the end of their rope. Look at yeah. what Joshua Williamson did with rogues. And those are with like big A-list flash rogues. Like yeah. you can tell stories like that. But either yeah. way, uh, this came post the Tom King Batman run, which again cemented Bane as maybe my guy, maybe my favorite they Batman rogue. He's always going to be my second favorite. Rahas al Ghul is my yeah, first. But I love Bane it's so much. tough between those two. It is I think they're the tough. two most interesting, like easily. Yeah. They're the two least used and most interesting. It's true. Um, but having these characters who were dead kind of being brought back, um, Jason kind of leading the helm, I thought this was an interesting concept. What did you think when this book was announced and we were kind of getting the the, the bare bones, the outline of this? I, I I think it has the unfortunate fact of being announced, like you said, right around the time of like DC versus vampires, because I was just like, wow, this is like a lot of, and I mean, in, in the wake of uh, deceased, which was already very popular and already kind of, you know, hit the ground running. I think at this point it was on its second series, you know, um, it, it, very unfortunate, you know, because it just seemed like, wow, they're putting out a lot of undead stuff. Yes. <laughs> and, and this okay. is the one that gets to be in continuity. Hooray. <laughs> so I wasn't extremely excited, but I love Matthew Rosenberg. I think Matthew Rosenberg's stuff over at Marvel was unbelievable. Um, Tales of Suspense. I mean, Tales of Suspense. Love that uh, his Hawkeye. He's the only person in the modern era who writes the Hawkeye that I want, which is yeah. like actual, like classic comics Hawkeye and he, not in that fraction. Hawkeye. He's really good at writing shitty people. Yes, and so and I was Clint excited Barton for him to do Red Hood because it's kind of the same person. Yes, one hundred percent. It's a very similar characterization. Um, after reading this, maybe a little too similar. Uh, but <laughs> but um, you know, I I was hesitant, but I like the creative team. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm I was hurt by Bane being killed. So I was excited that Bane was going to be back in some fashion. Um, I do, again, going to the A-Day stuff, I do like that A-Day was 
frame to be a cover just to kill Bane, which I think yeah. is cool as hell. Cool. Like that's maybe the coolest thing the Joker's ever done in the comics. Is, yep. Oh yeah, I'm just gonna stage this whole terrorist attack just so I can get one guy because he really messed up Batman. <laughs> I think <laughs> I kind of messed up Batman, but me. Exactly. It's very yeah. Lego Joker from yes. the Lego Batman movie. I, I fight around. <laughs> You're nothing to me. <laughs> He's just got the tears welling up in his eyes. <laughs> if you haven't, listener, uh, watch the Lego Batman movie. It's the best Batman movie. It's one of the best Batman movies. It's it, is, it, is the, it is the second best. Begins is first, but it's the second best Batman movie. For me, it's like third or fourth. I... <laughs> I mean, Mask of Phantasm, the Batman. I know you don't love the Batman like I do. I also don't I, love Mask of Phantasm. <laughs> that's a story for another time. Uh, I've always been more pro. I've been more Sub Zero than Mask of Phantasm. That's always. fair. Sub Zero fucking rules. Always. But I think Sub Zero fucking rules. <laughs> Sub Zero, Mister Freeze. Mister Freeze here, showing up and then killed and then brought back. Yeah. What the hell? Like, so I guess let's we can get, get into this. Yeah. Let's I get mean, into it. Full tilt I mean, on spoilers. We've talked about this. Here's here's the thing with this book. This book has a rotating cast. Yes. And by rotating, I mean they introduce people, they kill them, maybe and they bring, they them, bring back, them back, and then they definitely bring them back, and then they kill them again, and then they're gone. There's just a lot to track in this book. Yes. There, <laughs> and yeah, there are. I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't reread the. I didn't reread the detective backups going into this because i just read this in issues so yeah. i just went task force z one through 12 oh and if you go right into one you have no idea what the fuck no is happening though it, it is a get train the, if you get the first and second <laughs> trades it does come packaged with the backup stuff at the beginning which is super helpful but yeah if that you is helpful. dig in you have no fucking idea what's going on. You have no idea what's going on. It just feels like an unstoppable juggernaut of what the fuck is happening <laughs> and just throws you and then keeps throwing so many concepts at you. Yeah. Like every issue hits you with like four new concepts. They just like, what is, <laughs> what is going on? It felt more like this 12 issue run felt more like an issue 77 through 89 of a series as opposed to a one through 12 of a series. That's fair. And that drives me crazy. <laughs> that drives me absolutely insane. It's interesting, too, because, like, there's a lot of really cool concepts in this. I think the idea of, like, using the Lazarus resin, which got its start in Future State and has continued to be a main mm -hmm. thing since then, is mm -hmm. a really cool idea. I, I actually really love the twins, Amelia and Delia. Uh, yeah, use this the little resurrection twins. Yeah, they're weird. They're weird, and, and I like that you don't get like a lot of what's going on with them. But I do I mean, love kind of works. It, it makes sense from the from when you get the reveal of who Crispin is, their yeah. their secret benefactor being Two Face. Of course, his of course would be twins would be twins. Yes, absolutely. That's the most. Yeah. That's the most dual thing in this. Yeah, uh, it's let's talk writing. about the Crispin thing. Let's talk about the Crispin thing. So I, so, don't, I don't believe that Crispin was supposed to be Two-Faced at the beginning of this. Neither do I. <laughs> That's the problem I have. I'll be honest. I felt like Crispin was supposed to be another uh, 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 Ted Cord throw off. I got that same vibe because this takes place. And then it was so funny when Black Max shows up later. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is. That's what this was supposed to be, right? <laughs> yeah, I. It's funny because, like, I think this this is happening during the back half 
or no th this is happening no, it's after, after because deadshot is because dead. deadshot is dead and he comes yeah. back in this but it um, feels like oh that book took the thing i wanted to do uh i guess it'll be uh two, two things <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 funny because like, and also just on the point of bringing Deadshot back, like the Taylor Redondo Suicide Squad book, which is incredible, the best Suicide um, Squad book, maybe it's the best Suicide Squad book. It's it gives you such a great ending for that character. Yep. That I never and I thought for sure they were killing him off to bring another Deadshot in that would be more in line with adaptations. Yeah, I and... I mean there was that other Deadshot you know who was i i can say it black shot uh <laughs> i can say it <laughs> you know so i mean he was running around so it was like yeah of course they killed off that shot now they have this guy around sure he's a new yeah, dead I, shot i can't wait to see how they figure that out in suicide squad kills the justice league since it's set in the arkham universe and we actually have a dead shot who is not black uh-huh can't wait for uh -huh. that. So it I, is officially set in the Arkham universe, it right? It is. It, it's made by Rocksteady. They said it's set in the Because that Harley universe. doesn't even feel like, and, and I mean, granted, of the three games, of the four <laughs> games, three games, uh, there's three entirely different Harley Quinns, but <laughs> this one really doesn't feel like the same one at all. <laughs> True. I I am, I mean, it, it's still, um, still Tara Strong, I believe. So at least they have okay. the same voice actress. But at least there's that. Huh? I said at least there's that. It's, yeah, I mean, it's not that. like this game is actually going to happen anyway. You, you can't take that from me. It's the only game where I get to play as Captain Boomerang. I need it. Sorry, I buddy. It. It, first off, it's not. You can play any of the LEGO DC games. I'm not playing those LEGO games. You I'm should. Not. I've played you some should. of them. I played some of them. But you I should need play super actual, villains. Like, you, you would love I super need an villains. actual game where it's like I can play as a fleshed out Captain Boomerang and I can run around and throw boomerangs at my friends. That's what okay, I want. Okay, but DC Lego Super Villains is just Forever Evil, the video game. You would love it. Okay, I get that. I get that. Okay. <laughs> like, you would love it. I you can play that. as Captain Boomerang all your heart's content, I, bud. But, but, but I don't want to play as Lego Boomerang. I want to play as Captain Boomerang. Either well, way, regardless. You're just being ableist. What? I don't know. It was the first word that came to mind. <laughs> I don't know. Either way, either way, um, this this comic does have some really good concepts. I don't think that Crispin was supposed to be revealed as Two Face, though. When they do get to it, it is a good reveal, and it makes sense with the Amelia and Delia thing. Yeah. So maybe, it's fun. It's a so fun reveal. It was by the time they started like actually getting and producing the comic that Crispin was going to be Two Face, but I don't think Crispin was like in the concept stage. Yeah, I feel like it wasn't supposed in to the be pitch. Two Face. <laughs> yeah, because it would have made a lot of sense to be that Ted Cord character from Suicide Squad, which spoilers for that book. Or Ted Cord. Or another person I thought it would be Maxwell Lord, which would make a lot more sense. Which would have been incredible. And as we get to see later on, could have been a Powers character because Derek Powers does pop up in this book I mean, and it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah, which is interesting. Kind of bold to have kid Derek Powers in this. <laughs> kind of bold to have him be a kid. When, <laughs> I mean, to set up that, okay, here we go, years later. It's like he's a little, I feel like he should be older, right? It's because uh, he's supposed to be like an older man by the time Terry pops around, and that's twenty years in the future. But also, whenever now so is. is 
So, I mean, look at like where Bruce is and Bruce is eternally 35 or something like that, you know? So, you know, he's got to be in his 80s by the point Fair. Batman Beyond That's comes around. Point. So right. time-wise, it does kind of line up. You're um, right. It That's is true. a little, you know, Odd. here's episode one, The Phantom Menace, and we're seeing, <laughs> <laughs> we're seeing Kid I'll try Anakin. Spitting. That's a good trick. <laughs> it's working. It's working. Side like, note, it is I'm going to be talking about it later on in this episode, but Ahsoka, pretty good. Uh, uh, did you finish it? I did. Okay. I did. Okay. I w- And I'll get into this in the weekly review later on, but yeah. I liked it. And I liked, I kind of liked how it ended, to be honest. Not completely. There were certain things that I needed, that I wanted a bow tied on, and then we didn't. I but, think they should have tied a lot more bows than they did. So do I. But <laughs> I like how it more. ended because we know, fingers crossed, that hopefully more is coming. And this being yeah, the first chapter in like maybe like a trilogy of seasons or a trilogy of stories, I think. Could oh, be see, it's interesting because going into this, I figured, OK, at, at worst, this is just going to set up the Filoni movie. Right. Because we know that's coming. Because we know that's coming. And if this is like where it ends and then we get the Filoni movie in like three or four years, that's kind of frustrating. Because it still think, feels like there's more to set up before that movie happens. I think we're going to get another season and then go to the movie. Okay. I think. But we'll see. Uh, Hasn't been announced, be but we'll see. But yeah, anyway, so RIP Race Jackson, you were the fucking best part of the that. The best show. part of that show. I mean, easily. The best the, part I feel of that bad show. that like of the three things I really love with that show, two of them were the guys. I feel really yeah, bad. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It is <laughs> because unfortunate, isn't Amon it? is Roddy as Ezra was unbelievable. Unbelievably like, good. I wasn't was so sold good. on. I wasn't sold on him in the first episode with the hologram. But no, boy, no. once we once see he him, actually showed up Ezra, that first fight where he's using the force to like, I was like, oh, this is so Ezra, and he yeah. got like the animated mannerisms down and everything. I was like, holy shit! Oh, the this moment, guy is great. The moment at the end where he. We'll, we'll, I'll talk about it later. With the yeah. moment where he pulls a classic Ezra move in the finale, like oh, oh, classic so good. Ezra so good. move. <laughs> um, but yeah, so back to Task Force Z, I guess. Yeah, Task Force uh, Z. We we get this crew again, like you said, a rotating cast, some of which get more time than others. Mm-hmm. I do feel like the first half of the book is stronger than the second. And not just because Eddie Barrows does most of the art for the first half and only pops up, I think, in the last issue for the back half. Yeah. I love the Oh, that's a couple issues, but yeah, I, I think I think they're building some kind of interesting mystery element to it. At right. least at least before the Crispin reveal. Yes. And then I feel once the Crispin reveal happens, then you're like, okay, now there's way too much going. they keep piling stuff on and piling stuff on and piling stuff on and you just get kind of caught up in the avalanche and we get this crossover with amanda waller and her suicide squad that's going on at the time which is b team suicide squad if i've ever seen one b team suicide squad and this is the beginning of forcing peacemaker into fucking everything (laughs) as soon as he showed up i was mad (laughs) (laughs) there there is one really funny thing that he does it's like later it's in the back half of the book 
when I don't even remember who it is who comes into a room and he fucking punches him out. He's like, intruder! And he punches him out and kills him. <laughs> yeah, he Which is... Which I thought was really funny. <laughs> tremendous. He, he is... He's just it, the worst. Oh, I hate Peacemaker so much. Because they've turned Peacemaker to John Cena's Peacemaker, I think is your, uh, I, your biggest... I mean, issue. I didn't care about the character in the first place. I just hate that he's everywhere now. Yeah. He's gotta be everywhere. He's he's like the new Nick Fury Jr. <laughs> he's, he's like the new Matthew Rosenberg's Grifter. Oh, Remember when Grifter was everywhere? You're right. you're right. Remember when Grifter was everywhere? Remember that when like, they tried why? to make Grifter a thing? Jesus, why is Grifter in every Bat book? What the hell? What is he doing here? That's at this time, too. That's right in this time period. It is. And honestly, oh, this probably would have been a Grifter book if they didn't have Jason in here. Oh, you know what? A, it 100% would have been a Grifter book. B, I'm sure at some point it was floated that Grifter was, Chris, was Crispin. <laughs> I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. <laughs> okay, okay, right now. Who do we think, like, top three people who you think would have been a better Crispin than Two-Face? Okay, Max Lord. Uh, yeah. Definitely would have been a better gr cr uh, Crispin. Uh -huh. um, Hush? Ooh, Tommy Elliott would be a great pull. So I think you get the reveal that, wait a second, Crispin is Bruce Wayne? And what? it's not actually Bruce Wayne, it's just, you know, Tommy Elliott in Bruce Classic. Wayne's face. Classic pull, uh, always has to happen. I also think that just the buddy cop nature of the back half of the book with Red Hood and would have made Jason Hush, yeah. would work a lot better if it was Hush. Fair. <laughs> Absolutely A lot fair. better. Um, third person, uh, fuck it, let's go big. Ares. <laughs> the god of war? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ares has been embarrassed, you know, by Wonder Woman. He said, fine, I'm fucking done with Wonder Woman. But you know what? There's something to this whole, like, thing. Let's see what that's all about. And he's got his fingers in the corporate pie. Interesting. Interesting. Fuck it. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Why, Why not, not, indeed? Why not? Uh, um, Terry Sloan? Terry Sloan would have been a good pull. Been really cool. Where has uh, he been? Specifically he's from like bopping around. Too. Yeah, yeah, he's bopping around somewhere. I think that would have been cool. And that would have fit with the multiversal thing that they were trying to really do Very at true. this time with the Amanda Waller stuff and all that. And the Omniverse, you know. everything is canon. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would have been really good. Y'all remember um, the war for Earth 3? When they remember? dropped that footnote in this, I fucking cawed <laughs> out loud. I was like, no way. Jesus, I fucking forgot about all that mess. <laughs> it's funny Good because God. it enveloped three separate books and it ended up not factoring in for any of them. Mm -hmm. Teen Titans Academy, Suicide Squad, and The Flash. And The Flash. And Jeremy fucking Adams wanna be... Flash got pulled Ugh. into this for no reason. God. For no reason. The weakest Ugh. part of that run. Yes. Um, I think... Who, who do you think would have been better? Roman Sionis. His involvement mm -hmm. later as Black Mask would have been really, really cool. Mm -hmm. um, I think this could have been an interesting way to introduce a young Derek Powers. That would have been, that would have made a lot of sense. Like I a would... hot shot, hot shot Derek Powers. I would love yeah. to see a Derek Powers in kind of like the Ezekiel Stain role of like mm -hmm. a young billionaire who's just like i'm hot shit and i'm gonna be a real fucking problem later on yes just but also it's just specifically like i'm gonna do this just to stick it to my mom because yeah. jerry's like the secret villain of this sort of yeah <laughs> you know, weirdly like, enough 
weirdly I'm just gonna, enough, I'm just gonna stick it to her. Like, which again, fuck the this. back half of this just literally becomes a super heavy sequel, which is hilarious yes. to me. Ugh. It in is the messiest hilarious. Yeah, you're so correct. messy. But it would, but it's a hilarious thing. Yeah. Um, it's wild. It would be a good third. I mean, the easiest one is to just go fucking Lex Luthor again, but he would want his name on it. He would. If it was something like this. Yeah. You know what? Um, what's his name? The um, uh, his name's not the White Ghost, but the the other Al Ghul son who sucks. Oh, um, shit, shit. What is his name? I know who you're talking about. But I've I've got Al Ghul on the brain, so I'm yeah. Yeah, that I think that would be any Al Ghul yeah, interesting good. party in this. I think would be, oh yeah, very good. Oh, especially shit. with you the Lazarus stuff involved. Hold on, I I actually have an idea of who it might have supposed to have been. Who? Lincoln March. Oh, that does make sense. With all Lincoln the, March, all the Lazarus bullshit. shit. Yeah, Court of Owls bullshit. I think it was actually supposed to be Lincoln March. That would, but been the incredible. Court of Owl stuff factors very heavily into uh the tinian joker book yes um and so i i wonder if maybe they couldn't do that because of that i i think lincoln march shows up somewhere at this time but yeah. i wonder if they couldn't do that because i i fucking bet it was supposed to be lincoln march would have made sense would have made sense would have made sense but yeah, the, the first half of the book builds on that intrigue. Characters are actually characters. And then the back mm-hmm. half of the book becomes, like we said, this weird sequel to Super Heavy while also being a sequel to Tom King's Batman in a way. Yeah. I, so the, we find out that this group that Two-Face has put together isn't actually government funded. They're auditioning to be government funded and they fail their audition, which is hilarious yeah. to me. <laughs> and then we are trying to figure out okay there are definitely like three different parties working in like opposition of each other and then all of a sudden bane is flying and i'm like what the hell is happening here yep and then we get the reveal which i honestly i genuinely think is a genius reveal i i do think it's a good reveal i because feel we like have it's a still kind of unnecessary, set. but it's a great reveal absolutely unnecessary because, but because at, at a point Jason, like early on, Jason <laughs> kills off Bane. the top of a building. Like Jason, Jason Incredible. is like, oh, okay, I'm gonna switch off my comms, and he's like, hey, Bane, I'm gonna fuck you up. Do you know why? And he's like, Alfred Pennyworth. He's like, yes. he's like yep. And, and he beats the shit out of him and throws him off a roof. <laughs> Not just a roof, a skyscraper. A skyscraper. Like, that guy like, splats. Yeah, but and the whole spend, thing like, is that Bane then shows up again. And you're like, what the hell is this? How is Bane alive again? I mean, alive um, in quotes because you know, he's <laughs> dead. Yeah, and they give the big reveal that he's actually Gotham, and mm-hmm. I yowled when I when I turned the page and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be a problem," and it immediately <laughs> is because Claire I had no up. idea. Yeah, and I love seeing Claire, especially that new redesign for her that she got in the Mariko Tamaki Detective Run. Yep. I love that redesign for her. I think, I think that redesign great. works really well. The I, attack on Titan cloak she's rocking. Like, <laughs> I love that you're shit. Right. You're right. That is what it is. I love that <laughs> shit, man. It's so good. I, I think that 
I'm always hesitant, especially whenever Claire shows up, but I'm always hesitant whenever they do Gotham and Gotham Girl stuff, mm-hmm. just because I I want less of those characters. I feel like they've shown up a lot for the little amount of time that they've existed. That's fair. You know, and in a bunch of different places. And I kind of, like, respect that. But at the same time, I want them to show up less so that they have more of an impact on me. That's I fair. haven't been able to miss them. And, I mean, maybe maybe that's due to, you know, just a few months ago in the book club, we read The, the, the price, price, which was the big, like, follow-up to Tom King's, you know, stuff with them. And yeah. Tom King doing a little more stuff with them. Yeah, this, but and this comes after that. This comes well after that, you know, but that also was a big resurrecting Gotham story. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so it's just like, ah, oh, we're going to They just can't. God damn it. Like... You won't let me live, but you won't let me die. <laughs> <laughs> like, just just let it go. Like, let me have some time away from these Okay, bring Henry Cavill in as, uh, as Gotham. I think that'd be hilarious. <laughs> no, I need him to play Hyperion. I would, I would die let him be Hyperion. Let him be Hyperion and let it be like Jonathan Hickman style Hyperion, who's a real fucking My character. favorite Hyperion. I, the only Hyperion, <laughs> like the only hey, version. King Hyperion is there and he sucks. Yeah, he but does. He's, suck. he's he's there for contrast. We need him for contrast. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, the, the Gotham reveal isn't as um, isn't as bad for me as having jason beat up the entire bat family yeah what like, the hell winning that fight i was like there's no fucking way there's no especially with cast though i do love excellent little uh page turn moment where everyone's there and he's like oh, i can take all of you and then i love that cast shows up. He's, shows like, up. Fuck! he's like ah fuck <laughs> <laughs> uh jason todd in this book is characterized a bit like uh well, a bit, a bit like Grifter. Um, a bit like, oh, but, God, why am I? Uh, John McClane. <laughs> oh, John McClane, which I don't think is a bad characterization for him. It isn't. It just but also, also isn't John the character McClane that he's gets been. his ass kicked. <laughs> also, John McClane gets his ass kicked in the first few movies. This is more like a later movie's John McClane, who doesn't lose. <laughs> oh, you mean John McClane in the best movie that also features Captain Boomerang? Fuck off. That movie sucks so bad. Stop. Stop. That's your most toxic take. But Why I do say that. I do love going getting back to the Gotham thing, the reveal of that. How they've been just juicing yeah. up and they were like no, it's just this random guy we pulled out of a grave and we just been yeah. using his body with a venom and it He's just, just happens a guy. to be Gotham. Yeah. I, I, I forgot that he was gigantic too. Like, he wasn't. But they've been juicing him with venom and that's why he is so gigantic. Much, right? Yeah. Which I think is a great pull. And then having Claire show up be like, what the fuck did you do to my brother? Like, I love that. Especially because this is during that time where she does get those backups during the uh, Arkham mm-hmm. Tower, which is yeah. a great story. And I yeah. love that she was part of that Arkham Tower story. If anyone needed to be part of that mm-hmm. Arkham Tower story, mm-hmm. it was fucking Claire Clover. I was gonna say, she's a good choice to be a part of that story. Yes. And I think I just, I need her, like I was, man, I was, I want more for Claire. Like I know that we need yeah. time away from them. No, I was that, really and I think that's why her. I need time. And I was yeah. really pulling for her to be on that new Birds of Prey book, man. I was really jonesing because they're like, oh, shit. He would have been great on that team. He would have been interesting. Oh, replace uh, 
I don't remember her. I never even remember her name. Starts with a Z. The the wild storm. Oh, Zealot. 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 Thank you. Replace Zealot with Claire. I mean, and and Kelly Thompson has gone on record talking about how it's going to be a rotating cast, and maybe she'll pop up later. But like, no, she'd be a good villain for that book. I don't want her to be a villain anymore. Me neither. But I think she'd be a good villain. I think that Canary could do some interesting shit with that character. I absolutely agree. I want the two of them to hang out. Yeah, I think I think that's an interesting. Uh, she could be like a reclamation project for, uh, <laughs> you know? But I do love, I do love immediately when Claire's like, "What the fuck is you doing to my brother?" And Gotham's like, "No, no, no, we're okay, we're okay." She immediately just like hugs Bloom. She's like, "Oh my god, you did it! Thank you so much." Which led to the funniest Bloom bit of like, nah, "I'm not really <laughs> okay with hugging alive people," like, <laughs> which Bloom, is really funny. Bloom is fascinating in this because you could tell that he's pretty much the same character as in Super Heavy, but he's also yeah. not at all the same character as he is in Super Heavy. Yeah, and it's almost like line to line, he's different. <laughs> From panel to panel, he's a different character every time. Yeah, he's frustrating for me. In what way? Like he was, he's frustrating in in super heavy for me, but he just doesn't. I think that he's a better rogue for somebody else. That's fair. I don't love him being in the Gotham stuff, and I don't love him being tied to like Batman stuff. I think I he's wish... more interesting as like a Superman villain, or as like honestly like so, just somebody else. You I know? think he he should have stayed a Jim Gordon villain. Like if we get a legit I, Jim Gordon book that is horror inspired with Bloom as the as the villain, I do think he works as a Jim Gordon villain a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for I sure. my I think my biggest problem with the back half is that basically all of the cast that are actual characters in the first half get just turned into fodder. I mean, they're literally zombies, so you kind of fine. expect that to happen. But, but like, you also, it's also disappointing when it happens because I know these characters. And you give them characterization in the first half of the book. Right. And then all of a sudden, oh, Bloom is able to switch a node in their heads and now they work for him. Oh, yeah. and then, you know, Two-Face talks to them and now they work for him. Yeah. And then, oh, now they're working for this third party. Like, they're just I was, I was chess so pieces into... shuffled across the board. I was so into the idea of Astrid Arkham like being an actual character because we get that page of her yeah. where they had to re regrow her legs and she's like, yeah. hey, I'm me for like five minutes and I think this is fucked up, but I'm glad that you're part of this to Jason. But I'm going for it, yeah. And teasing <laughs> you know? this maybe romance. What, they tease Jason romances with like half the cast here, which is hilarious oh. to me. I mean, but, this is a Jason and Two-Face romance story. Like, oh, absolutely, 100%. It's an enemies to lovers story. 100%. Um, I will say, though, in the back half of the book, when Bloom suddenly dons the Robobat armor, I thought it was hilarious. That was that was pretty great. Great, great little Especially moment. growing his fucking nasty-ass fingers through, through it. Just like the gauntlets. It's kind Ugh. of awesome. So yeah, cool. that, that's kind of awesome. And then we do kind of get that ending for Gotham. Like, I hope we don't see him again after this. Because he's like, you know what? I've got a limited amount of time left. I don't want you to bring me back. I just want to go out and do what we were supposed to do and yeah. help people. And so I like to think they went off. They saved a bunch of people. Eventually, his body deteriorated. He died. Claire buried him on a really nice looking cliff overlooking the sea. And then she goes mm -hmm. off and does her adventures mm -hmm. and we never see Gotham again. That'd be great. 
But I also hope we kind of never see Gotham Girl again. She becomes something else. That's fair. That's fair. I think it'd be cool if she becomes something has her own identity. And she becomes Gotham is Power still tired Girl. To him. <laughs> no, go read that Power Girl book, gang. Yeah, it looks sick. Yeah, it looks sick. Um, but yeah, at, at the end of the book, the whole team disbands. Jason, I love this. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go take a vacation to West Texas. And Stephanie Brown, who has just been in this book, in and out of this Randomly. Book, randomly. She's like, I, I heard Texas places. is where, where uh, Joker was spotted last. He's like, weird coincidence. And he leaves. And I'm like, yeah, that's a Jason ending. That's a Jason ending. Jason felt like Jason at the end of this. Yeah, at the end of this. He stopped being Clint Barton and he felt like Jason. <laughs> and then we see, yeah, Two-Face brings back, let me see here, KG Beast, weird fucking Everybody. Equation, by the way. Arkham Knight, Zaz, fucking co- the original Copperhead who's literally just a snake man. Which is kind of cool. That's kind of funny. He's this around. new female Scarecrow, which I think is a sick design. Mother like Crow I, or something? Yeah, Mother Crow or something like this that. That's what they called her? Yeah. And then they fucking brought back Deadshot again. And I'm like, God damn again. it, let him rest. Let him sleep. Let him slumber. But also, we, we, this is also like Two-Face and not Harvey, which is a distinct True. thing. because. But, but then at oh, the same point, isn't Harvey still popping up in the Detective Comics run with Rom V completely apart from any of this stuff? Is he? I, I gotta be honest, I dropped that. I, I have not I been did too. I am I'm too dumb for Rom V, apparently. I, I, just, I don't I really it. did not like that book. <laughs> it um, really did nothing but for but me. But the issues that I did read, he was there and he was dealing with the stuff, and there was no fucking mention of his little zombie army. Interesting. Interesting. Because I was wondering where does this go? Because they seem the book to specifically ends be setting with this just up for the beginning. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's not. Not really. Well, these fucking zombie cats, like, <laughs> they're going to be running around for Two-Face, which Two-Face is now Two-Face again, and not just Harvey, because of Bloom uh, bringing out the Two-Face in him again. I, I don't but know. But then, again, we see oh, in that Rob V Detective run, he's Harvey, and he's struggling against, like, having Two-Face. It's strange. Very strange. I don't understand it. Task nothing Force makes Z, sense, nothing matters. In conclusion, is very much a story of two halves. Where the yeah. first half, I think there was a lot of intrigue, and the back half is just, it's like, it is diehard, wall-to-wall action. Yeah. But I don't think it's a great story. It felt very much like the Resident Evil movies. <laughs> In that it's a lot of it's a lot of action, it's a lot of like exciting stuff, that but it's also point. way too much plot <laughs> that they try to weave in there. <laughs> Boo exposition, get it out of here. <laughs> they try to weave way too much plot in there when really it should just be a simple kind of thing. And too many characters as well. I think if they had had like a core characters. five or six characters that they focused on, like yeah. it would be much stronger for it. If it was just the original batch from the yeah. first like couple issues, that'd be fine. I think but then they just... bring in the other dead Suicide Squad and the other dead people. <laughs> it just becomes yeah. way too much. Just too many cooks in the kitchen. And I think yeah. overall it becomes too bloated to tell a really focused and coherent story. Yeah. But. Also, what the hell? I thought they weren't calling him KG Beast anymore. I thought that he was. I thought that was a specific thing in the Tom King run was that he was going by the Beast, 
he wasn't going by KGBs anymore because that's racist. <laughs> I also thought that Batman left him in the snow to die and we'd never see him again, but who's to say? Right, yeah, with broken legs and limbs. Batman like... <laughs> 100% killed that guy. And you know what? Batman left he him for dead. It. He, he pulled a real Batman Begins and said, I don't have to kill you, but I don't but have, I to, have save to save you. you. <laughs> just fucking left them for dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you couldn't tell, we didn't love this story. I think <sighs> it was an interesting read, and I'm glad that we read it. But it's it's not one that I'm I'm going to write home about, which is unfortunate, because I, I usually, these these spotlight episodes, I like to do on stories that I enjoy. But I liked getting to go through this with you because we talked about this before we uh, we got on mic. We don't often read stories together that neither of us has read before. And I really dug being able to do this alongside you. So Yeah, same. This was great. And, and it was a listener's pick. And which it was is a exciting. listener's pick, which is great. Which is, exciting. Which is what really we're officially going to call it now. Listener's pick. Listener's pick. <laughs> you picked this. You it's picked all on this. You. you did this. This blood Thanks. is on your hands, not mine. Thanks. You didn't have to kill us, but you didn't have to save us either. And you chose. That's true. You chose to leave us on the train. <laughs> Metaphorically, of course. Should we give it a rating? Ooh. Should we give it a listener's how, pick how rating? Many, listeners pick how many man bat heads out of five. <laughs> <laughs> How many man, man bat heads out of five? The little man bat head with a little baby body was hilarious. It was so weird. It's weird as fuck. That's that, the thing. I think this book like dials into Matt Rosenberg's like weird, quirky, like comedic sense. It moved into Deadpool humor very quickly. It does move into Deadpool humor very quickly. <laughs> um, so how many man bat heads out of five would you give this? Give it like two and a half. Two and a half, I think, is fair. Two and a half, I think, I think it's two fair. and a half. Because it's like it, I mean, all for the it's first not, half. Yeah, it's honestly <laughs> definitely for the first half. First half gets two, and then the last half gets a half. <laughs> um I I you know, it, it's not like it's it's not like it's really bad. It just is one hundred percent not for me. That's fair. I think it just does things that I don't like in stories. Yeah. Uh and has characterizations that I don't really appreciate for these characters. So it's not like it's bad, it's just that it right. doesn't sing to me. It's two and a half. That's fair. I would give it I would also give it, you know, I'm, I'm going to be contrarian. I'm going to give it a 2.75 Whoa! Uh, out of five man bad heads because you get two and a half just for it being a super heavy sequel and just for involving <laughs> Gotham Girl. So, like, that's that's your borderline. And then you get that extra 25, you know, 0.25 just for the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> um i did like the gotham reveal the bane switcheroo i thought was really good yeah um gotham girl involvement mr blue was fun i i really loved the the horror aspect of the first half um mm -hmm. but yeah i think not anything to write home about but if you're interested in kind of a popcorn die hard zombies story um you can go watch Army of the Dead. But you can also read Task Force Z. I think it's a mistake for them to not package them together just in one giant trade. I will say. It is. It is I think it's a real mistake to not do that. Because you, are not you gotta wrong. sucker people into getting that second half. Oh my god. So true. So true. Good lord. But hey, Task Force Z, I mean, who knows? 
you kick them and they might just come back better, stronger, and hungrier for even more brains. It is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly. And right now we're reviewing the back half of Ahsoka, the latest Star Wars Disney Plus series. Uh, we did kind of an intermission for the series when we reviewed the first four episodes, and now I'm going to be reviewing the back half, episodes five, six, seven, and eight. And this show really is an interesting case study on what people want out of their Star Wars. Because I think I talked about it the last time in that it felt like an old-school Star Wars project. Pacing was a little bit slower. They took their time a little bit more. Um, the world-building was really nice. We got to see all kinds of different uh, political intrigue. And going into the back half, I was really curious with them jumping to another galaxy what that was going to entail, separating Sabine and Ahsoka, Ahsoka being seemingly killed, but then falling into the space between worlds, and meeting up with Anakin again, potentially. And that's kind of how episode four ended. Real quick, this is going to be spoilers. I'm just going to be talking spoilers. So if you are not caught up in Ahsoka, just feel free. We'll have timestamps in the description, so feel free to jump ahead. But getting into it, I was curious how they were going to wrap this up because they had a lot of threads that they needed to pull. And I will be honest with you, they did not solve many of them. <laughs> they really only solved maybe like two uh but we'll we'll get into that as we go along but episode five which was uh entitled part five shadow warrior may be probably the most fan favorite episode of the entire season because it's the flashback episode it's the episode where ahsoka is in the world between worlds meets up with anakin again and the two of them get to talk uh hayden christensen really doing his best matt lanter impression and i respect it and we get to see a lot of the um a lot of the relationship that was established and expanded upon in the clone wars series brought into live action i think the best part of bringing this all into live action is indeed having hayden christensen allowed to be more of a character and less of a plot device than he is in the prequel series and i liked seeing him loosen up i liked seeing him play the part i liked seeing him in the clone wars garb in the like early couple of seasons clone wars costume that he was uh rocking in the early episodes of that season with the shorter haircut the uh the armor that evoked his darth vader armor later on it was nice and you do get this weird like oh yeah ahsoka was a child soldier when they had you know the view of these uh younger actresses playing ahsoka uh fun fact as well that i'm sure everyone knows by now the actress who played young ahsoka also played young gamora in i believe it was infinity war um just a fun pull and let me know who her agent is because obviously they are working overtime for her and I, and you'll love to see it. You'll love to see it. But I was really 
impressed with this episode, allowing us to really delve into Ahsoka. The first four episodes were, I don't want to say scatterbrained, but they definitely took a lot of time to make this an ensemble cast, much like Rebels, rather than it being an Ahsoka-focused show. But episode five was purely Ahsoka-focused. Uh, we did have a little bit with Hera and Jason, which I liked. I liked seeing Jason have this connection with the Force and this moment where... Um, I can't remember his name, um, but the the pilot uh, who is anyway he he's been kind of like carried across a lot of different um, Disney Plus Mandalorian projects. They're like, oh yeah, Jason is connected to the Force now and all this stuff, and he's like, cool, I'm gonna go on patrol, and he just leaves. <laughs> really funny stuff. Uh, but I I enjoyed getting to kind of go on this trip with Ahsoka, figuring out what she wants, who she wants to be, having that juxtaposed with who Anakin was, is, and who he became, and kind of hardening her resolve, I would say, making sure that she could... Um, be who she needs to be going forward for the rest of the series uh with ahsoka getting ready to uh, jump or find a way to jump after the ship that had made its way to the other galaxy we got to see the space whales which was fun and then you know i've been talking about how stiff rosario dawson is in the first four episodes of the season and in episode five i got this glimmer of hope right because she goes out there and she connects with the space whale she gets back in we're gonna dive in there we're gonna jump into the space whale's mouth they're gonna take us across the galaxy and hu yang says are you sure this is gonna work she says oh i have no idea and there is this moment where i'm like yes that's the ahsoka that i've been waiting for that's the one and then, unfortunately, as the episodes went by, she just remained the same. I hope that if we do jump into a season two or for the projects that we get to see Dawson loosen up. Because she's just been so stiff the entire season. And I really want her to have more fun with this. Uh, but they head off into the next galaxy, leaving uh, Hera, Jason, Chopper, and everybody else behind. And that concludes episode five. Episode six, far, far away, was kind of a... So on the one hand, all, all the preamble of the, oh, Thrawn might return, Thrawn might return, brought us here to this episode where Thrawn finally is in all of his glory, all of his Mickelson glory, and he is terrifying, and he is perfect i'm so glad that they brought lars mickelson back for this role because he absolutely crushes it and that's the same for the rest of the season as well uh we do get to see a little bit of night sisters action um more skull and hati stuff i this was my episode for skull uh balen skull is my favorite character from this entire show uh, bar none, and it makes me absolutely heartbroken that because of Ray Stevenson's passing, we won't get more with this character. And it is unfortunate because you can kind of feel something happen. I don't know if it's, you know, they filmed a bunch of stuff to further what his involvement would be in the story, and then due to his death, they had to recut it or what. But this is kind of his last episode where he does anything. Um, pursuing 
pursuing Sabine and Ezra with Hati across the planet. Uh, this we get the return of Ezra, I believe, in this episode. I think. Um, I want to say it was in this episode. Um, but yeah, we see we see Sabine reunite with Ezra. Really cool. I think um, the actor who plays Ezra, let me look up his name real quick. It is, where are you? Uh, Iman Isfandi. Uh, he was fantastic. Really does sell everything from that original Ezra character. Aging him up a little bit. He gets a beard. I hope he gets a revamped look in whatever season two or follow-up this gets. But really liked his characterization. And I liked the uh, chemistry he had with Sabine. Um, Hera went on uh, went on trial in this. I'm glad that Hera was still a presence at least for a couple more episodes. Um, but yeah, we get to see Thrawn make his presence felt and that kind of wraps up episode six um episode seven is where we really get to dot you know we really get that big uh harrison doula trial uh great scene where she is trying desperately to convince the new republic that thrawn is an imminent threat uh this dickbag senator who i believe was a character in another show it wasn't it was the it was the next one after rebels i don't remember which one it it, it takes place in the it's not rebellion it's it, it's something someone someone's telling me right now but it was the it was the next show the next cgi animated show but i i liked having c3po show up so that was really cool getting the mention of uh senator organa with leia that was a really nice touch um so i enjoyed that uh, we see the uh, the space whales arrive with Ahsoka and Hu Yang in their ship, and there's mines, and I was like, no, not the space whales, but they jump out of there really quick. They make their way down to the planet, which was cool. Um, Ahsoka and Hu Yang have a dogfight, and I remember turning to my fiance and just saying, you know who this scene could have used? The best pilot in the galaxy? Uh, but you know what? They had to have Hera be benched because she would outclass all the fighters and she'd just blow them up. It, it wouldn't be fair. So I get it. I understand. But we see all of the kind of pieces fall into place. And it's interesting, right? Skull and Hati arrive to where uh, the troopers, the these uh, night troopers, have... Um, surrounded this village with the little uh, the little snail people that Ezra and Sabine are at, and Skull goes, "I have my own way," and separates from Hati. And I think this is where they separate. Um, and we get this great little duel. We get this great duel between Skull and Ahsoka, who just arrived. I love how Skull uses his uh, his lightsaber like a broadsword. Use both hands. It's wide swings. The blade is also longer. I didn't realize that until like I think I saw the action figure. Um, man his character is so cool his character is so cool and I'm really sad because I don't think we're going to get any more of them until or unless he gets recast which I don't feel like they should do but it is within their power so we'll see but um, Ahsoka like is able to outsmart him leaves and then he just kind of goes off he just leaves and doesn't appear again um Ahsoka tells Hati during the raid that, 
like she can help her and Hati refuses and escapes. And that's kind of the end of the um, Skull and Hati involvement in this show, which bums me out because I feel like they should have and maybe were a bigger part of this finale, episode eight, uh, the Jedi, the Witch, and the Warlord. And this episode I'm coming in and I'm like, this is only, so this is only 50 minutes. They have a lot to wrap up in 50 minutes. And they did something very brave. And that is they ended it on kind of a cliffhanger in a very, um, not an immediate like, oh my God, imminent danger cliffhanger, but a very uh, Empire Strikes Back kind of cliffhanger where the heroes kind of lose at the same time as them kind of winning. So what happens is they're heading back to the, to, you know, sneak on board uh, Thrawn's ship so that they can jump because they're, they're about to jump back to uh, the known galaxy. And uh, the ship gets shot down. So they have to go on their little uh, wolf bat things. They make it, uh, Ezra gets onto the ship. Sabine and Ahsoka stay behind to battle uh, Morgan Elsbeth, who gets her uh, Night Mother glow up. And uh, Morgan Elsbeth gets struck down by Ahsoka, but the ship jumps out before uh, Ahsoka, Sabine, and Huyang can get their ship onto the Star Destroyer. So they are stranded. They are just straight up stranded. And Ezra is able to escape, pulling what we call in the business a pro-gamer move, uh, disguising himself as a trooper and escaping on one of the shuttles so he can get back to the New Republic, which, again, begs the question, what is going on now? What are we, what are we doing? Um, Ezra gets back to Hera. It's a great little reunion moment with Chopper. Awesome stuff. Uh, I wish Zeb was a part of this at some point, but who knows what he's doing. He's just hanging out in bars and just telling people about the good old days. We see uh, Ahsoka and Sabine settle really, like, unease, like, unnecessarily quickly into being like, well, that's it. Guess it's time to move on. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Everyone you know and love is under threat now because Thrawn is back and he's about to stage the return of the Empire from Dathomir, which is a great pull. I love that that's where he's going to stage his invasion. But Ahsoka is just like, yeah, it's cool. We're here now. We're just going to have to be here. And I'm like, what? What do you? What? Why are you okay with this? So they're there. Um, they basically pull a switcheroo from the end of Rebels. So now Ezra and Thrawn made it back. And now Sabine and Ahsoka are in the Lost Galaxy. Uh, lost Galaxy. And there's a, there's a moment, right? The very end. The very, very end of this where we get this like um ending tableau uh so ezra makes it back thrawn is preparing his invasion or and the return of the empire from dathomir we see on this on the planet in the lost galaxy skull and hati separated hati goes and she gathers up the raiders that attacked earlier and she's like i am your captain now which i am very excited to see what comes of her character and we just see skull hanging out at this giant mountain statue thing that shows the father the son and the daughter from the original clone wars uh representing balance dark and light side of the force i what were they doing where did they go what is skull's deal like i again 
I'm sure they would have expanded upon it, or maybe they did, but they had to cut it out because of Ray Stevenson's passing. But I just feel really blue-balled, in a way, with those characters, because I thought they were so interesting. And to just have them sidelined, essentially, in Part 7, and completely left out in Part 8, was it just really bummed me out. Really bummed me out. Um, And there's this moment, you know, I've been waiting for it. The possibility of a Force Ghost Kanan Jarrus played by Freddie Prince Jr. And I thought that that's where we were going because at the beginning of the episode, Ezra's building a lightsaber. And he uses the same emitter that Kanan does. And I was like, oh my god, they're mentioning him. This is incredible. Also loved that parallel. Loved it. And then at the end, we see Sabine for a moment catch a glimpse of something. And then she leaves. And Ahsoka looks out, she smiles, and she follows Sabine. And I'm like, no way. And we pull back and we start to see the shadow of a force ghost. And I'm like, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. And it's just fucking Anakin again. And I'm like, god damn it. They were so close. We were on the edge of greatness. We were this close. But I have to assume, and my fiance did point out to me, it would make more sense with Ezra. So in whatever follow-up, the dream is still alive. We will see. But that that's pretty much it. I mean, we left off with kind of a big cliffhanger. We don't know what's happening. We know that Filoni is eventually leading to, I think, his own movie. But I don't know if there's going to be a second season of Ahsoka to get her back. I don't know if this is going to connect at all to the Jedi games because the whole crux, spoilers for that, for Jedi Survivor, of that game was getting to another galaxy far enough away from the Empire that they couldn't be found. Is this that galaxy? That was a long time ago. Who knows? But I know that I'm very interested and I'm curious to see what happens. And overall... Ahsoka was good. Not my favorite. It's not an Andor for me, but it was really good. I just wish that the... I wish that the time frame had allowed for more ties or more dangling threads to be tied up. But such is the way of our modern film industry. But I want to know what everyone thought about this. Feel free to reach out. And that is going to wrap up this weekly review. Next week in the weekly review, we are kicking off our coverage of Loki Season 2. I'm very excited as of this recording. I am hotly anticipating Episode 1 to drop uh, tomorrow as you are listening to this, as of release of this episode. So uh, next week, we start off our Loki Season 2 coverage. So stay tuned for that. But for now, let's roll right on into this week's Comics Countdown. Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown for the week of October 4th, 2023. This is the segment of our show where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be checking out this week, whether it's at your local comic book shop, a comicsology, or however you get your comics. These are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geeksplain Pick of the Week of last week. And it was very tough. We had some big contenders, but I think... Fittingly and thematically, it was Ultimate Invasion number four. Uh, What a 
great way to kick off a new Ultimate Universe. I'm very excited to see what Hickman has in store for this new Ultimate Universe. I cannot wait. And Hickman's doing uh, some big things right now. More on that later. But that's last week's books. This week I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight books for you to check out. And we're kicking things off with a big old new number one. It's Transformers number one. We've been waiting for this. This is uh, written and illustrated by Daniel Warren Johnson with Mike Spicer on colors. And I am really actually excited about this. You know me, uh, DWJ is an instant buy. He's the kind of guy who you, he, you, you see his name pop up on a book and you're like, okay, I at least have to check out the first issue because you know it's going to be quality. I am super excited. This is the most I've ever been excited about Transformers comics. So let's just dig into this. The all-new Transformers era starts here. Superstar creator Daniel Warren Johnson, alongside Energon Universe showrunner Robert Kirkman, reimagines Hasbro's robots in disguise for a brand new generation. Optimus Prime was supposed to have led the Autobots to victory. Instead, the fate of Cybertron is unknown, and his allies have crash-landed far from home, alongside their enemies the Decepticons. As these titanic forces renew their war on Earth, one thing is immediately clear. The planet will never be the same. New alliances are struck, battle lines are redrawn, and humanity's only hope of survival is Optimus Prime. Discover the Transformers like you've never seen them before. Yeah, so this seems like a nice little reboot for the series. Um, I'm not sure if this is a reboot or what, but we've got the old school Gen 1 designs, which is really exciting. And it does seem like this is them crashing into the atmosphere and landing on Earth for the first time. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I'm super stoked about this. Should be a good time. Next up, we have X-Men number 27. This is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Phil Noto. And I have been loving this. You know how much I love this X-Men book. And I'm very curious to see where we go here, especially with this sick friggin' cover of Cyclops being tortured by Orcus. Uh, let's dig into the synopsis and find out what's going on. Something caught your eye? When Cy That's messed up. Uh, when Cyclops joined this iteration of the X-Men, his pitch was simple. I am the X-Men. If this is so, the enemies of X-Men seem to have this fight all sewn up. That's fucked up! Uh, for those of you who don't know, Cyclops has been captured by Orcus and they sewed his eyes shut. So, bad news all around, but you know me, I love a Cyclops story, and I love a Cyclops story where he has to deal with the loss of his power. So, I am all in on this. Next up, we have Batman, number 138. This is written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Jorge Jimenez. Uh, this is continuing on the Gotham War. And, I mean, this... So, here's the thing. People have been very mixed on the Gotham War as a concept. I know I have. Just on the idea of, do we need more wars in comics? The answer, of course, is no. But... I am really, really interested to see where the story goes because it's asking questions and making points that we don't often see in a Batman book, which is Batman bad for Gotham? Question mark? Uh, but the way that they're going about it, I think, is really, really nice. So I'm excited to pick this up. Let's dig into the synopsis. The Gotham War, Part 4. 
Batman is on the ropes as the Gotham War heats up following a shocking betrayal. It's father versus son, teacher versus student in the knockout fourth chapter of this brutal war. But who is really pulling the strings in this explosive event? Thousands of years have led to this moment. Wait, what? Thousands of years? What are we... Hmm. That's interesting. Hmm. I guess we'll see. I... Hmm. Thousands of years. Huh. Anyway. Uh, Immortal X-Men number 16 is up next. Uh, this is written, of course, by Kieran Gillen with art by Lucas Werneck. And this cover is very interesting because it shows Big Daddy Apoc. Uh, Apocalypse might just be making his way back. And he is looking yoked he is looking egyptian pharaoh as fuck and i am super here for it let's dig into the synopsis apocalypse when when everything has already gone wrong you may think at least you have nothing to worry about you'd be wrong Ooh, ominous i like that a lot Next up, we have Shazam, number four. This is written by Mark Wade with art by Dan Mora. You know I'm a sucker for this team. I've been really enjoying this book so far, and I'm excited to pick up this next chapter. Let's get into this synopsis. Mark Wade and Dan Mora turn everything you know about the world's mightiest mortal on its head. Shadiness. Hatefulness. Arrogance. Zeal. Anger malice oh i get it It, okay yeah uh these are the new powers of shazam and if billy doesn't find a way to get them under control the lives of everyone around him will be forever destroyed interesting i i love what they've been doing in this book i'm excited to pick this up for sure next up we speaking of turning what you know on its head uh we've got dr strange number eight this is written by jed mckay with art by pascal ferry and this book rules. I've been talking about it incessantly, I believe, at this point. Um, the introduction and the implementation of General Strange, I think, is freaking amazing. And with the possible cliffhanger that Clea may be switching sides, I am worried for our boy Stevie. Let's dig into the synopsis and see what's going on. With the enemy revealed, Doctor Strange and his allies rush to confront his evil doppelganger, General Strange. But does the Doctor stand a chance against the General's 5,000 years of experience? And will Stephen and Clea's marriage hold in the face of such a threat? That's an interesting question, too. Um, Was Clea married to Stephen when he went into this 5,000-year war? I am very curious about that. I don't know if they've specified that or not. If they have and I've missed it, then that's my bad. But I think it's very interesting since they've essentially said that General Strange was the original Doctor Strange and they pulled a piece of him out to make this new Doctor Strange, which has been doing his thing for a while. So maybe that causes a shift in Clea's um, alliance or allegiance. We'll just have to see. I can't wait to read this. Next up, we have Birds of Prey number two. This is written by Kelly Thompson with art by Leonardo Romero. This book freaking rules. You know I've been you know I've been a big Romero fan. Kelly Thompson has been absolutely crushing it, and that first issue was dynamite. Let's dig into the synopsis and find out what's next for this newest badass team. 
Black Canary's all-new team on their very first mission. Black Canary has built an all-new team with a very specific and very dangerous first mission. Extraction. Their target? Redacted. She's being held on Redacted and guarded by a battalion of Redacted. Sounds simple enough, right? Well, then we're explaining it wrong. It's a terrible mission, and before it can even be launched, the birds have to gather a few mysterious supplies and see some old familiar faces. That they punch. Yeah, I, again, I feel like this is Birds of Prey meets The Expendables, and I am super about this. But the big book of the week, the book I think you should absolutely be picking up, is God's Number One. This is written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Valerio Shiti. This has been in the cards for a long while. We've been hyping it up for, I think, about a year at this point. I think the announcement for it was at New York Comic Con last year. And I think as you're listening to this, New York Comic Con is this weekend. So I am very curious to finally get my eyes on this and see what the hell this thing is about. Let's try and wade through the synopsis and figure out what's going on. Jonathan Hickman reinvents the cosmology of the Marvel Universe. What happens when the powers that be meet the natural order of things? The infinite detent between the natural order of things and the powers that be nears an end. Old acquaintances are reunited during a Babylon event. The Lion of Wolves throws the worst parties. Don't look under the table. There's a John Wilkes Booth penny on the ground. This enormous extra-sized first issue features Doctor Strange, who, while not boring at all, is easily the most boring person in the book. What is this synopsis? This is strange as hell. No, no pun intended. I, I don't know what to think about this. This is really odd. Um, but, I mean, we'll, we'll find out. I am interested in this. Um, it's a big oversized first issue, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But that does it for this week's Comics Countdown. To recap, we've got Transformers number 1, X-Men number 27, Batman number 138, Immortal X-Men number 16, Shazam number 4, Doctor Strange number 8, Birds of Prey number 2, and Gods number 1. Jonathan Hickman is currently reshaping the entire Marvel Universe again, so now's the perfect time to reshape your Wednesday plans and head in to pick up some great comics. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geeksplain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, and subscriptions really do help me and the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space. It raises up our stock and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here on the podcast. You can write literally anything you want. I will be forced to read every single word. As long as you give me those five stars, the sky's the limit on what you can write. And you'll join the likes of our terrific 21, including Seafire ND, Josh with Panels to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, A Lock and AZ, Sass, Jedi Jesse 20, Ken 4656, Director Hall, Mullet Overlord, Invisible Man 11, Ed Likes Things, Clip 326, That Logan, and Kenneth from Norway want to say a huge thank you to these fine folks for their reviews and i cannot wait to hear 
yours. Also, if you want to be part of the Geek Explained mailbag, send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com. Put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read it here on the Wednesday show. If you'd like to keep up to date with the podcast, participate in polls that decide future episodes, get first notification for announcements involving the podcast, or maybe you just want to shoot the shit with me on the latest geeky news, of which, now that things are starting to get rolling again, there's going to be a lot. I mean, New York Comic Con is this weekend. Uh, feel free to follow us at Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, as I continue to try to get better at Instagram, and for as long as Twitter, I'm not calling it X, is around for. We'll just have to see. Finally, Finally, uh, huge thank you to good brother Malcolm Russell Nelson for coming on this podcast. And if you like us chatting, you might like the Geek Explained Book Club, where we, alongside our partner in crime, Jacob Brown, are currently going through every single issue of every single volume of The Flash Rebirth. And this Friday, it all ends. Ends. We reach the finish line with volume 15 of The Flash entitled Finish Line. Uh, everything in the first half of our fourth season of the book club has been coming to this. We are going to find out if the war between Barry Allen and Eobard Thawne has a happy ending or the reverse. So join us on Friday, won't you? It's going to be a great time. Flash Fridays are a real thing so be there or be square not a circle but that is going to do it for this week's episode i hope you enjoyed part one of geektober part two will pop up next week as i'll be joined by scott nicewander of the nerd seek youtube channel to discuss the forgotten scooby-doo movie scooby-doo adventures the mystery map it is so secretive, so forgotten that I didn't even know it existed until Scott brought it up to me. So join us, won't you, next week. Same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for the Geek Explained podcast, I've been Eric Azana. Everybody stay safe, stay spooky, and we will see you next time.
shadow on the moon at night, filling your dreams to the brim with fright. This is Halloween, this is Halloween, 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 Halloween. That's our job, but we're not mean in, in our, our town, town of Halloween. Goodness town, don't we love it now? Everyone's waiting for the next surprise. Instead of Tin Jack, might catch you in the back and scream like a bet you make you jump out of your skin. This is Halloween, everybody scream. Won't you please make way for a very special guy? Everyone hail to the pumpkin song. La, 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 la.